Ink and Quill illuminates on literature, culture and beyond. That's cool, isn't it? Listen to the sound of some incredible readings. The Great Wall story is the story of the relationship. The imagery in China is so strong. It's a book about the human story. Ink and Quill. Something provoking. We have to think like a queen. Something thoughtful. History is fantasy, really. Something fun. See some naughty people trying to steal panda cubs. All here on Ink and Quill. Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors. This is Ink and Quill. I'm your host, Yang Yong. According to a report released by World Health Organization, most of us spend a staggering one-third of our lives at work. So, how much time to spend our careers definitely screams off a matter of great gravity. But what happens if we're stuck in the wrong job and can't find a better fit? What should we do when we are out of work and are at a crossroad? And most important of all, how do you land your dream job? To answer all these burning career questions, in today's Ink and Quill, our reporter Shi Yu talks to Joy Chen, author of the book How to Get Lucky in Your Career. A former deputy mayor of Los Angeles and a headhunter, she is well known for her bestseller Do Not Marry Before Age 30. Joy, I'll say welcome aboard. So before we touch upon this book, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Okay. I mean, as far as I know, you have had four major professional careers. Yes. Like so, first you step into the urban planning and real estate business. I was a real estate developer in、mm-hmm. Los Angeles, and then I became deputy mayor of Los Angeles at age thirty-one. At age thirty-five, I was headhunted to become a CEO headhunter. So I help Fortune 500 companies and other global companies find CEOs and other high-level talent. I did that for seven years, and then I was headhunted to come to China、um, to become an author.、Mm-hmm. And I came out with a book called "Do Not Marry Before Age 30," which became a big bestseller, and that led to many other things.、Mm-hmm. I think that the one thing that all of these careers have in common, perhaps, is. That after I was a real estate developer, each of the other careers came crashing into my life in the form of a stroke of great luck. So you didn't plan out about all your career paths. No, in fact, I always thought I'd be a real estate developer for my whole life.、Mm-hmm. So I started out doing that when I was twenty-one.、Mm-hmm. To even reinforce that and to support that, I got two real estate development-related graduate degrees. An MBA in real estate finance and a Master of Arts in urban planning, and well before I had finished paying off those expensive graduate school loans, I had already left real estate forever and had two more careers. But what motivated you to make such, I would say, big transition in your career path? I'm one of those people who's always been wanting to follow my passion.、Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like life is too short to. Live in suffer in boring jobs and boring lives, and I've always wanted to do great things and do big things. So I guess that's been my overall career motivation. But as far as how I made each of those transitions, you know, as I said, it was a lucky break. 
you know, mm-hmm. each one of those. And that's what really this book is about, how to get lucky in your career. Mm-hmm. Because how this came to me is that when I was a CEO headhunter, I got to interview several thousand of the world's most successful people. Uh, they came from different language backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, totally different industries, totally different ages and outlooks on life. The one thing that they had in common was what they shared with me, which is as they go through their stories, if you listen carefully as I did to their stories, Mm -hmm. they will always point to those one or two or maybe three points when they say, and that's when it all started. Those pivot points Mm -hmm. where an amazing opportunity opened up and they seized it and they changed their life. So I became very interested in this, that point of, and that's when it all started. Like, how does that happen? How do those points happen? Like, what went into those luck is, you know, how I decided to to write this book. But for a lot of people, when they reach a certain age, even if an opportunity presents itself to say, oh, no, I'm so afraid I'll make the wrong move and yeah. end up miserable. So I yes. was wondering, have you ever felt a little bit, I don't know, hesitation? Yes. When you just run into a totally different new industry or new field? How yes. do you know whether this new industry it will fit you? Well, I mean, I think that's a really key question because that's actually a problem that many young people face in their career, which is that they try out many different kinds of careers. They are dissatisfied with them all, so they maybe jump around every three or six months. But after five years, 10 years of just jumping around randomly, you know, they're 30, they have not really accomplished that much in their careers. Mm -hmm. They haven't developed much in the way of skills. Mm -hmm. Everyone who's worked with them has nothing good to say about them. And from a headhunter standpoint, you know, we say they have ugly resumes. Yeah. And we call them untouchable. Mm-hmm. So I think that you ask a really great, great question, which is what if something looks interesting from the outside? Should you take that risk and jump wholeheartedly into yeah. it, right? I think that there's only one way to really mitigate that risk. Well, there's a few things you could do. Number one, you could try to have coffee with people who actually do that job yeah. and find out what the job actually entails, what is a daily life and the life of that job. But then again, you're hearing it from somebody else's perspective. They might find certain things really fascinating that you'll not find fascinating. So the only way you can really find out is by exploring it firsthand. Then the question is, well, how can you explore firsthand a job when you're in another job, right? So, So the way you do that, I think the only way you do that is you have to always be creating things such as okay whether in your current job or outside of your current job and it's through the things we create that we lure to our side the luck that we need to pivot into a dream career I'll give you examples Mm -hmm. every single time that luck came into my life was through things I created when I was a real estate developer I thought I would do that forever to be perfectly honest I wasn't like an A++ developer. I was probably like an A- developer. I mean, as a headhunter now, looking back on my work, mm-hmm. I worked really hard. I thought I was doing okay because I got promotions every year. My yeah. boss liked me. I kept on getting more responsibility every year. So things seemed to be going okay, but it wasn't like superstar soaring. Okay, so 
at the time, the city of Los Angeles was tearing down some 1950s era affordable housing projects. Mm -hmm. So I was friends with some people who worked at the city and they had to, you know, come up with some new housing developments. Now, I thought, well, hey, I'm a real estate developer. I have an MBA in finance now, or I'm working on that MBA. I can help you with some of this, you know. So I started volunteering for the city. In the afford, I was like, made myself a volunteer consultant, and I started volunteering five to ten hours per week. I did that for seven years. Wow. Well, soon after I started helping them, they appointed me an affordable housing commissioner. That was one of a seven-member volunteer board that was overseeing the affordable housing of the city. So it was through that volunteer work, you know, more and more people started noticing me because, you know, the projects that we were working on, one of them started getting built, you know, it was a beautiful, new, affordable, green, you know, multifamily and multi-income, you know, it was like, sparkling new project yeah then when i was 31 los angeles elected a new mayor he had worked in the city all of his life his father was a famous city official so all of his friends and the people that his team were people who'd worked in the city for a long time mm-hmm. so he had some advisors had said you know to help manage the economy um, local economic development you should hire in you know somebody from the outside yeah so different friends of his floated different candidate names and one of the names happened to be mine. Why? Because the person he happened to ask happened to have recently seen some of the work that I'd done, volunteer for the city. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, here's this young woman who has worked in business all of her career, and yet she's done so much great work in public service already. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's kind of, you know, people know her, people trust her. Why don't you take a look at her? And he interviewed a bunch of candidates and suddenly he picked me. So that's crazy luck, right? Yeah. But if I wasn't creating things, if I hadn't made those real estate developments, Mm -hmm. those affordable housing projects as a volunteer, I would just be another, you know, one of hundreds of thousands of ambitious young professionals in the city. Nobody would actually know Mm -hmm. that I could do good work for the city, right? So... It's the same thing, you know, when I was deputy mayor, that was a huge opportunity to create things, yeah. to create new projects to help our, you know, city's three million people on a very big platform. I did that. Of course, many, many people saw the work that I did there. And it was through that work, I thought I'd go back into headhunting. Somebody asked me to be a CEO headhunter. Mm. When I was a CEO headhunter, I started writing a blog called globalrinsai.com. Mm-hmm to help Chinese study abroad students learn how to get into and climb up in global companies. That blog became popular, and then Cidic Press, which is a big publisher in China, recruited me to China to write a book for women. So every single time that I changed a career, it was through a lucky break, or what I call in the book, a lucky moment of unexpected opportunity. Mm -hmm. And every one of those lucky moments came about because I was creating projects. Some of the projects I created in the course of my day job, mm-hmm. and some of them I did as a volunteer. Well, you can call it as lucky moment, but I think it's a progressing learning experience. Yes. Well, I think that you always have to be learning. You always have to be making yourself better. But making yourself better is not enough. You also need to be given opportunities. Yeah. And, and I think that this is a really critical thing, especially for women. I think that women often feel like, if I just work hard and play by the rules, 
and if I just keep getting better, yeah. then people will notice and people will give me promotions or people will give me opportunities. Just like a worker bee, like you mentioned yeah. in the book. I think especially Chinese people and, and women, so especially Chinese women feel like if I just work really hard mm -hmm. and I get to the office before the boss every morning and I stay late and job ban, you know, and, um, and stay and keep working on the evenings and weekends, I'll work so hard, yeah. people will notice how hard I work and they give me a promotion. That is totally not the way it works in the real world. Yeah. If you're the hardest working, most productive worker bee, then you're valuable exactly where you are. Because yeah. you're doing the work that nobody else wants to do. Why would they promote you? If they promote you, who's going to do the work that nobody wants yeah. to do? So, so I think you really need those lucky opportunities mm -hmm. if you want to progress in your career and um, you know, get more and more interesting work. You know, what you just said remind me of one part you mentioned in the book because you quote from the economist Joseph Sean Peter mm -hmm. and he kind of coined this idea about creative destruction mm -hmm. in the 1940s. And you're talking about how innovative entries kind of destroy the established business. Yes. Especially in today, like we have internet yeah. and, you know, this digitalized world, everything developed so fast and now we're going to have artificial intelligence in the yeah. near future. So there will be many, many people, maybe their jobs, their current jobs will be replaced yes. by something else. So how to embrace those changes and make yourself become a change maker, make yourself adapt into this fast changing society? I think that's actually the biggest question that, that we all need to face. I think that many people feel like, oh, I just need to find my career path and then I'll stick to it my whole life. Yeah. No, 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 no. Because the world is massively changing. Even if you stay in one job your whole life, that job itself will become a different job in five years because of technology change and because of globalization. So I think this question that you ask is a key question. In a time of massive change, how can I stay relevant, stay employed, and even stay ahead, right? So. One thing is that I think we always have to be changing. We always have to be getting better. Mm -hmm. So how do we get better? I have a chapter in the book that says we have to keep getting pointier. It's not about getting well-rounded. Okay, so the job market is totally opposite from in college, when you're in school. When you're in school yeah. to get into a good college or whatever, you need to get straight A's. You know, if your natural English is an A, but your natural math is a B, then you know you spend all your time fixing your B and turning it into an A, so you have a beautiful straight A report card. Once you get into the job market, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. Do not get rounder, get pointier. And what that means is we have to figure out what it is we love to do mm -hmm. because, come on, life is too short to be in a job you hate, right? Yeah. So figure out what it is that we love to do. That's our passion. And not only figure out how to, to be able to do it, we have to get better at doing that skill every single day. And the great thing about being in a job that is suited to your passion is not only do you have, get to have fun, you actually become more valuable because you're improving your best skills yeah. and your job is according to that skill. So let's say you have a job and you become A plus in a particular skill. That's the most important skill to be successful in that job. Mm -hmm. Well, you're everyone else, all the poor losers around you, that job is suited to their B-plus skills. Yeah. They'll never be able to catch up, right? So the way to stay relevant and stay ahead in an economy, in a changing economy, is 
to get into a job that's suited to your passion.、Mm-hmm. You have mentioned about passion repeatedly in this book,、yes. and I think a lot of people they know they need to find their passion. But I have met people who say, "I know my job is not really for me,、yes. but I don't know where my passion is." Exactly, that's what this book is all about. Everyone says follow your passion, but I think、yeah. for most people the problem isn't. What? Do I want to follow my passions? Where the hell is my passion?、Yeah. What the hell is it? Right, and that's what creating things does. Because if you always have projects going, you're always creating things. It could be part of your job, like when I was deputy mayor, or it could be outside of your job, like when I worked, created that blog, which was outside of my headhunting work, but I just did it on the volunteer, or when I was did affordable housing. So if you always have projects going, what that means is it gives you a chance to constantly experiment、mm-hmm. with different types of projects and, by extension, different careers. Without taking the risk of jumping into it with your day job,、mm-hmm. so you must always have projects going. Some projects you might keep it going for a month or two and say, "Hey, wait a minute! I thought this was my passion. I thought I would like to do this, but I find I don't want to do it. I don't、yeah. want to keep going on it." Awesome! It's not a failure. You learn something. So I think that we have to take scientist attitude to creating projects. Scientists don't. You know, they always doing experiments. If an experiment turns out to fail, they don't say, "Oh, that's a failure." They say, "Oh, okay, I've tested that theory. Now I learn more. Now I'm going to start a new theory."、Mm-hmm. And so it's through our outside projects or projects at work that we discover our passion. And that was Shi Yu talking to Joy Chen, Chinese American author and former deputy mayor of Los Angeles. Her latest work, "How to Get Lucky in Your Career," or in Chinese, "30-Year-Old Chen Shi Erwei," is a self-help book based on Chen's headhunting experience. Stay tuned; we will be back after this short break. Explore the life of great wordsmiths. Share their stories beyond the pages. Ink and Quill brings you the voices of writers and book lovers. There is a quite old Chinese saying called "gan yi hang, ai yi hang," means、okay. loves whatever you takes up. And so people say, "Okay, you don't like your job, okay?" But as time goes on, you probably will develop certain interest in your job, and then you will have a good career. Also,、mm. take on that. I think that you have to at least like the daily activities of your job. Mm-hmm. At some level, I think that you have to like the physical actions that you have to do every day.、Mm-hmm. Or if you don't, I, I think it's hard to develop an interest in it. Yeah, but there's still difference between interest and passion, right? I think that where the truth in that lies is this: some people think the second they start something, they'll be like Hollywood movie, like you meet that man. And the violin music comes on, and you know the lights go on, and there's fireworks, and you're like, da 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 da, that's my soulmate, right?、Yeah. And maybe some people feel like if they go into their dream job, it'll be like that. There is some mastery that's required to totally love what you do.、Mm-hmm. Mastery means you've gotten good at it. Yeah. And to get good at something does take time. Yeah. Does take practice. Okay, so for example, I'm now a writer. I think my second book is better written than my first book、mm-hmm. because I have to keep on working at a craft. Every single job requires certain specialized skills,、mm-hmm. 
and you have to develop those skills. So over time, I might enjoy writing more and more, mm -hmm. but I still liked it from the first day. You know, yeah. I didn't hate it. Because I think that if, if you're not at, have a basic interest in something, mm -hmm. you can never develop it yeah. into something that you can have mastery over. Mm -hmm. You know, I think maybe the, the only difference between an interest and a passion is passion, maybe there's fewer of them and they're deeper. Mm -hmm. But if you don't start out yeah. interested in something, I can't imagine that you would invest the amount of emotion and time and effort mm -hmm to make it a great career. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think people just make excuses. They say passion is just for some special ones. We're not gifted. We're just going on with our life, with yeah. our current jobs, and we can make some changes. I think people are afraid of change for mm -hmm. one thing. I mean, look, most people do not like their jobs. There's all kinds of surveys that say that. Are you satisfied in your job? Very low satisfaction. Yeah. Less than 50% everywhere. Okay, so I think what you've described is the situation that most people find themselves in. What holds them back? Well, I think part of it is fear, but part of it is also uh, what we call the principle of sunk costs in economics, which is that every bit of time or money that you invest in something, you should only look to the future, not look to what you've already invested in it. So mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Let's say one evening you have already bought a ticket to hear a speaker across town. You've paid good money for it. It was a hard ticket to get, but it's five o'clock and you're kind of tired and you'd really just rather go home and relax. Do you go? You'd go. Yeah. Why? Because you spent the money already, right? Yeah. Okay. That's a mistake from the standpoint of what an economist would say. An economist would say is that was a non-refundable ticket. So that is a cost that you've already sunk. So whether or not you invest more into that should only consider the future, mm. should only consider the value of your time and what you would rather be doing. You'd rather go home, you should go home. The fact that you spent money on it in the past should not have an impact. So the same thing goes for your career. I think a lot of people are like, you know, like I was, hey, I've already invested 10 years uh, into the real estate career, into the real estate business. And I already spent all this money going to graduate school in real estate. Yeah. How could I possibly abandon the investment I've already yeah. made and do something totally different, right? So that's what a lot of people say about their career. But that's totally the wrong way to look at it. Mm -hmm. What's past is past. Yeah. It's what the principle of sunk costs is. Mm -hmm. Only look to the future. Yeah. That's something that I discuss in my book. And I think it's really sad that because people make mistakes based on the principle of sunk costs yeah. that could keep them from ever having a passion, a life of passion for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And you know, it's also a problem for society because when people are in careers of passion and purpose, that is when they can create the most value in the world. Exactly. That's when they can create, contribute the most to the economy, mm -hmm. contribute the most to society, solve the world's problems, mm -hmm the way we can unleash the potential of everyone in the world to make the world a better place yeah. is to help guide them into lives of passion and purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hope my book does. What is a life of passion and purpose? Passion means satisfying your own needs. Mm -hmm. Purpose means satisfying the world's needs. Yeah. Okay, so how do we define a dream job, or at least how I define a dream job is a dream career 
is the intersection of your passion and purpose. It's where you can do what you love to do mm -hmm. in a way that meets the needs of the world mm -hmm. in the optimal way. That is your dream career. Yeah. And that's where you will add the most value in the world. And that's, pro that's also where you'll make the most money in the world. Yeah. Right? Because your, your money, the returns to you should come out of the value that you create. So as a former headhunter, what are the ideal candidates you want to hire in today's economy? Well, you know, it's funny. I used to really admire and like idolize like the lions of the economy, you know, the, the CEOs. Yeah. And I'd be like, wow, those people are so incredible. They must be. Who are those people? You know, the Elon Musks or, you know, the people that you read about, you say, they must be like supermen. They must be superwomen. They yeah. must be totally different from you and me, right? Mm -hmm. And it's funny, when I became a CEO headhunter and I, all day long, I did nothing but interview those very people that we read about in the newspaper, mm -hmm. I found that if you just analyze their, them across different leadership skills, they are not supermen and women. Mm -hmm. They're not that different from the rest of us, okay? They have some skills that they're A plus in, some A minus, some B, B plus, just like all of us, yeah. okay? They probably don't have too many C, Ds, and Es, but they, they have certain things that they do well, okay? They have like maybe one or two things that they are like A plus, like do better than anybody else in the world, yeah. okay? But what makes them special is that their jobs are perfectly suited to their A-plus skills. Mm. So their job totally is optimized for them. The other things that they're not so good in, they have other people doing. Mm -hmm. So they get to do what they do best. Yeah. And what does that do? That makes them so powerful. Mm -hmm. And they're having fun. Because you know what? Their A-plus skills are their passions. Mm -hmm. How did it become their A-plus skills? Because it's what they love to do. Yeah. And they became great at it. What I learned as a CEO headhunter is that they're not all that different from us. And we have to follow what they do. We have to figure out what it is that we love to do, our passions, and turn them into A-plus strengths yeah. and, turn them, and then build our careers around them. Of all those people, the so-called T-shaped professionals mm -hmm. mentioned in your book? Yes, because we can take all of the world's talents and divide them into two categories mm -hmm. i-shaped people and t-shaped people mm -hmm. i-shaped people are experts okay they know one field really well let's say that you work in tax accounting and you know everything about tax accounting you know every change and every code and da -da -da -da, and you're an expert in that but you're not an expert in anything else a t-shaped person maybe has a is understands tax accounting but also understands every other function in the company, mm -hmm. reads widely, travels widely, meets lots of different people, so they become broad as well. They have the horizontal line of the T. Mm -hmm. In a quickly changing world, we all need to become T-shaped. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, most people are I-shaped. Yeah. And companies incentivize you to be I-shaped because companies just want armies of experts that they can hire, fire, promote as needed. Mm -hmm. And they want you to be an expert at what you do. They want you to do your one job well. Mm -hmm. But if they don't need your job anymore, bye. You're fired. Yeah, yeah you're fired. <laughs> don't you worry. If you become this so-called T-shaped professional, are you going to be a jack of all trades and master of none? 
Well, that's why you have to have a passion Mm -hmm. and you have to develop an A plus strength. Mm -hmm. But you also have to be broad. So when you're broad, then you can see what's happening in the world. You can connect with any number of people. Mm -hmm. Everyone that you meet, you can have a conversation because you know enough to be able to talk about anything. Yeah. Okay? So when you're that kind of a person, you can see what's going on in the economy. Position yourself, see where the opportunities are, start positioning yourself Mm -hmm. to be in the way of luck. So being a T-shaped talent, broadening ourselves by reading the newspapers every day. I read, you know, multiple newspapers every day, meeting many different kinds of people, stepping outside of our normal everyday life to learn more about the world and other people is essential. So let's be step out of your comfort zone and connect with other people. Yes, and different kinds of people, not just people in your industry who are your age mm-hmm. and your gender. That's quite important. This is something you usually find for newly minted college graduate. Yes. You usually stick to other college graduates. They talk yes. about the similar topics. They're usually around the similar age or maybe the same gender. Yes. And as years goes on, maybe they become friends, but they just stick within one, one company and that's it. Yes. I think especially for women. I meet so many women who are like, oh, you know, I wish I could meet Mr. Wright, but I don't, you know, he's just nowhere to be found. And I say, oh, well, you know, what do you, what do you do every day? I go to work and then I, and then, oh, I go out and have coffee with my friends. Well, who are your friends? You know, or I go shopping or I go to the spa or I take, I go travel. Who are you traveling with? Who are you having dinner with? Who are you shopping with? Other women, you know. Do you have any men in your life? Do you ever have any contact with other men outside of work? No. Well, how are you going to find Mr. Wright? How is Mr. Wright going to find you? Okay, so so yes, I think that um, that we can start hanging out with a certain group of people in college and then it just doesn't change, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I don't think it's very helpful to our social lives or to our careers. Yeah. I have to say, some advice from your previous book, Do Not Marry Before Age 30, actually they can borrow into career. Totally. Into, into how to improve your career. Totally. Yeah. In your opinion, what's the definition of a successful career? Because a lot of people say the term successful, it's usually you know, associated with you know, certain wealth, mm-hmm. status, reputation. What's your idea, what's your opinion about success? Well, uh, my opinion of success has changed over the years. So when I was in my 20s, I wanted to become powerful and rich. I was quite clear about that. That's why I worked so hard, you know, getting graduate school when I was working. I, and I want to do it as quickly as possible. Um, so I would, you know, I would always be looking around nervously at the people that I went to college with. Um, say what what is that person doing how how come that person got a VP title and I I don't have a VP title yet Um, and start getting all nervous and nauseous I'd be reading the newspapers and then you know I always look at the age and they put the age next to all the people you know they always like I always look up and look at all the successful people and if someone was really successful and was about my age I would get really nauseous (laughs) (laughs) want to throw up um, and so I was always really looking at, about things like titles, right, mm. and how much money people were making. Then I was 31 and I was deputy mayor. I was like, whoa, suddenly I was the one yeah. <laughs> that uh, was in the newspaper and, you know, and, and I thought, 
life is awesome. I made it, right? That was great. But then when I was 35, you know, our term ended. Los Angeles had a new election, a new mayor. And the new mayor didn't want the old team. Yeah. He wanted to bring in his new team. So suddenly I was no longer deputy mayor. Mm -hmm. And I had to return to the private sector. And, um, and that year, I have to say, was the hardest year of my life. Mm -hmm. Because suddenly, like, there weren't cameras following me. There weren't reporters following me around. You know, all those things that made me feel really important were yeah. suddenly gone. Mm -hmm. And all those years, I had been chasing that definition of success. Yeah. Money and prestige. And I got it all. But then suddenly it was all gone. Like yeah. totally gone. Like totally blown out of the water. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was falling, you know, for a whole year. I had to look in the mirror every morning and say, if I'm not Deputy Mayor of Los Angeles, then who am I? Yeah. So I think that looking back, though, that was an incredible turning point for me personally, mm -hmm. because that's when I really started to consider this question about what is success and what am I if I don't have that definition of success anymore? I'm not successful that way anymore. So that's when I started really thinking about what is a dream career, and that's when I started putting together these thoughts that, I believe a dream career, a successful career, mm -hmm. is one that marries passion and purpose. It's mm -hmm. one that I get to do what I love to do mm. in a way that satisfies the needs of the world. That is a successful career. Mm -hmm. Even though it's all based on like non-prestige and money terms, if we really do a great job of passion and purpose, you know, the money and prestige will probably follow. So now I'm nothing but a writer. I don't have any fancy titles, mm -hmm. but I think I probably have more power and influence now than even yeah. when I was deputy mayor. Because mm -hmm. when I was deputy mayor, my power and influence came from the job title, my business card. Yeah. And it came and went with the job title, my business yeah. card. Now my power and influence is tied to who I am. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Confidence doesn't come up with your business card. Yes. Yeah. For a lot of people, maybe, you know, when we talk about changing your career directions, sometimes people are fearful of if mm -hmm. I invest in this career for years, I put my heart into it, and then it failed. People, I think people, this is the human nature. We are afraid of failure. To leave? I mean, failing. like, I'm doing fine now, so why should I leave to do something great, potentially great? Yeah, or maybe yeah. potentially risky. Right. Well, that's why we have to have projects, mm -hmm. because what projects do is they give us a chance to experiment without risking our career, because that's a really real risk. You don't want to jump around. Yeah. You don't want to jump into a career that fails. Mm -hmm. Not just it could be bad for your career, but you, know, you might have a family to support. You, know, you have to like, pay rent and put food yeah. on the table. You know, there's, you know, there, there's practical considerations as well. So that's why we should always be experimenting on the side. Mm -hmm. It could be on the side or if you're lucky enough to be able to creating things at work, do it as part of your day job. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, some people are like, oh, my, my job is so boring and dead end. It's just terrible. You know, every day I have an eight-hour work day and I, they only give me two hours of work. It's so boring. Well, hey, you know, that's fantastic. That's not boring. That's awesome. So do a great job of your job in those two hours so that, you know, people are impressed with you. And then spend the rest of the six hours doing your own projects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're in a boring job, 
that's even better if you get a chance to do your own thing too. You don't have to, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So overall, I think, you know, we have to be looking at our careers, not just, oh, I work for so-and-so company. Because mm. companies will come and go. Yeah. So we have to be looking out for ourselves and mm. taking advantage of every opportunity yeah. to grow. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't do a good job at work. Mm-hmm. It's really important in your day job to do a great job. Because even if you want to leave and start your own company in the future, or if you want to leave to a different job, any smart headhunter, any smart investor, before they invest in you, will call the people that you worked with in the past, your colleagues, your bosses, and say, how does this person perform? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. In your debut book, Do Not Marry Before Age 30, you taught people how to find passion, love, and how to find the sense of security in marriage, yes. in love, in relationship, and you know, the second book, How to Get Lucky in Your Career. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same case here. And yes. for a lot of people, when they say they hate your job, and when they find this, this book, they probably get inspired. Yes. So I was very curious about what's next for you. You know what? As I said in this book, don't try to plan. I, I'm not trying to plan. What I'm doing is putting this book out into the world. My last book brought me all kinds of new opportunities in China. Okay, so all of those opportunities came about, lucky opportunities, from that book. Now I'm getting ready to launch this book into the market. I'll spend the next two or three months launching this book, you know, doing a lot of online and offline interactions with fans. I don't know what my next career step is. I purposely haven't planned it. I don't know what lucky opportunities this new book will get me will bring into my life what interesting new business partners, interesting new opportunities that they will bring to me. I don't know what they are, but I predict they'll probably be pretty good. That was Joy Chen sharing with Shi Yu her insights on career progression and how to find a lifelong passion. Her book, How to Get Lucky in Your Career, or in Chinese, 三十岁, 趁势而为, will be available in Chinese on September 26. On that note, it's time to wrap up today's program. Don't forget that there are always more interesting happenings in the literary world, and we will keep you posted. To learn more about us, you can follow our Facebook account, China Plus, or simply download our podcast by searching the keyword Ink and Quill on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Yang Yong. See you next time.